Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to a divisional round edition of Believe in 49ers, presented by the Believe Podcast Network and Bet Online. I'm your host, Tommy Call the Third. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy underscore III. That is triple I for the third. And you can also catch all of my written work about the 49ers via USA Today's Niners Wire. And really quickly, before we get into uh, the podcast today, obviously it's a big celebration um, with the 49ers coming off a tight roller coaster, dramatic, disappointing, if there is one, win against the Green Bay Packers in the divisional round and punching their ticket to the NFC Championship. But before that, I just kind of want to I feel like I can't uh, go forward without mentioning the tragic and sudden passing of Dejan Milojevic Deki, as he was called by players, the former star Serbian player and assistant coach of the Golden State Warriors, suddenly passed away from a heart attack at age 46. He was a big character in the Warriors locker room, a very loved um, among all the players, everyone in the organization, in the building. I just want to send my condolences to his family, the Warriors, and organization and really all of you know the Serbian basketball family across the globe it's a tragic story and you know he won a championship here in the Bay Area and I felt like it deserved to be mentioned to send some condolences from Believe in 49ers to the Milojevic family Um, you know I like some of you know I do cover basketball full-time so I've been writing about this story all week um you know, as much of a positive thing, celebration it's been for the 49ers. Obviously, their neighbors with the Golden State Warriors um, are going through a very tough time. So I just wanted to mention that. But we will move on and get fo- into football here with the fourth time in five years. The San Francisco 49ers have officially punched their ticket to the NFC Championship. That is remarkable consistency. I think I saw that stat on Twitter after um the 49ers won that game four times in five years in the nfc championship i don't know why it doesn't feel that way it feels like they're all been spread out it seems like jimmy garoppolo was the quarterback of the 49ers a decade ago it seems like when raheem mostert went crazy in the nfc championship against the packers um in santa clara where jimmy garoppolo threw the ball like four times it seems like that was 10 years ago at this point but really four times in five years remarkable consistency although they you know although they the although they haven't won the super bowl yet you know it is clear that the nfc runs through whatever sideline kyle shanahan and the 49ers are on today on the podcast we're going to talk about you know that 49ers roller coaster win over the Green Bay Packers in comeback fashion, sloppy fashion, flat fashion. Let's be positive for now and stick with comeback fashion. But we're going to look at some of the players who deserve credit and some of the players and coaches and, yes, coaches specifically who were underwhelming. But before we dig into this episode and get back into football, I have a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online. With the NFL playoffs here and the NBA season in full swing, Bet Online has you covered with all the up-to-second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today and get head there today to get into the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% 
welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. So how we're going to handle the podcast today is I'm just want to talk a little bit. We're going to kind of move down the list and we'll do a you know a little bit of a review of the players and the game, and we're going to talk a little bit about you know some of the guys that stuck out, like I said, and some of the guys that stuck out in a bit of a negative way. Because let's be honest, um, this game specifically, it was rough. It was rough for three quarters. It looked bad. It looked like the 49ers season could potentially be coming to a very disappointing end with a loss to the number seven seed, the young Green Bay Packers. Um, Because the Packers very much controlled, it felt like, most of the game, although the 49ers were trailing by you know, a small margin throughout most of the contest. It felt like the Packers' lead was a lot bigger than it really was. And I think the centerpiece, the conversation that's kind of dominated this game has been Brock Purdy's performance. 23 of 39, 252 passing yards, one touchdown, a 61.9 QBR. Um, Did not look his best. I mean, and that's putting it nicely let's just be honest he played pretty bad for three straight quarters um he had you know multiple almost near interceptions two that hit defensive backs right in the hands uh one that looked like it was going to be a pick six the 49ers won the lucky end of it with um players dropping the football the green bay defensive backs dropping the football on clear-cut interceptions i know that has been a conversation that's been going on since the championship since excuse me the divisional round game since you know on twitter on other podcasts the dropped interceptions let's just be honest quarterbacks in every single game throw interceptable passes it's something that happens luck is part of the game and fortunately for the san francisco 49ers luck swing their way what was concerning with brock Purdy's performance is one i thought he looked very much out of rhythm the, the Packers defense bothered him specifically with the timing routes. I thought the 49ers offensive line wasn't necessarily great. There were some pressure on Purdy throughout that performance. And, you know, the biggest thing that stuck out to the game that was easy to see from the first drive potentially was that Brock Purdy could not grip the football. It was clearly bothering him. I mean, we saw multiple just airmail passes it was one of the first games where he looked like you know Mr. Irrelevant like a player that was drafted very late in the draft like a player that didn't have a ton of experience specifically in the football specifically in the playoffs excuse me but specifically playing in that type of weather so I think the criticism is valid for him but when it mattered most he came through that's something that is as important as this game because in a clunky game like that which seems to happen every year to every team Purdy stepped up in the fourth quarter on the final drive of the game he set up the game winning touchdown he put the football you know in Green Bay's hands with a minute left to play with a chance to tie or or win that game and the defense then stepped up he took the ball out of his, his hands he did his job he clearly outplayed Jordan Love when it mattered most. Love threw a pair of picks, only 30 yards through the air down the stretch. I think in the last like 19 minutes, 18 minutes of the game, dating back to the third quarter, Jordan Love only had 30 yards passing. You know, as good as Love was for a majority of the game, the last 20 minutes kind of defined his performance in my eyes. And let's be honest, it was bad. And you flip over the field while Love, sh- 
Love struggled, you know, Purdy executed what needed to be done to win that game. On the game-winning drive late, Purdy drilled all the easy throws, took what the defense gave him, protected the football, and didn't force anything. He hit his timing windows when they were there, and when they weren't, he took the ball and ran it. There wasn't a sense of panic. There was a sense of urgency and calmness. 6 of 7, 47 yards, 11 rushing yards, set up the go-ahead touchdown, game-winning touchdown, whatever you want to call it. He did what needed to be done. Is there concern? Do we need to say, you know, is Brock Purdy the weak link for the 49ers in this situation? I don't think so. I think that's a, a little bit blowing it out of proportion. I mean, the 49ers are in the situation they're in for a reason. I think Brock Purdy had a very big part of that. He deserved to be in the MVP conversation throughout the game. It wasn't a fluke. He's been the guy to open this offense up for Kyle Shanahan. And we're going to talk about Shanahan here in a second, but we saw how, I think it's part of the surprise, but we've seen in the past how Kyle Shanahan has handled games where he hasn't trusted his quarterback. And throughout that entire game, Shanahan continually put the ball in Purdy's hands to execute the game plan, to go, to be the guy, to be the centerpiece, to be the focal point. Which that alone... The confidence that Shanahan had in Purdy in that situation where he was clearly struggling tells a lot of the story, tells a big factor of this game specifically because we've seen Kyle Shanahan take the ball away from guys like Jimmy Garoppolo in the past. And I think many people who were watching that game were screaming for that to happen to an extent. Run the ball, run the ball, give it to Christian McCaffrey. What are we doing? What are we doing? Why does Brock Purdy keep dropping back? But I think that, you know, might be something we've been looking for with Kyle Shanahan to have trust in his quarterback to let him go out there and win games he's supposed to win. And so, you know, with every negative, there's a bit of a positive, especially in a situation where they won the game. So, yeah, everybody deserves a little bit credit of credit. But, I mean, we got to talk about Kyle Shanahan because, in my opinion, this season as a play caller has been Kyle Shanahan's best. I thought he's obviously fully trusted his guy under center with Brock Purdy. The weapons are there. Brandon Ayuk's developing at a level, you know, turning into a very, very, very great player. Debo Samuel's obviously been doing his thing. Christian McCaffrey has opened a lot of doors to that offense specifically. And so I think Kyle Shanahan truly has been in his best form this season. However, in this game against the Packers on Saturday was his worst of the season, in my opinion. I mean, I think he deserves more smoke than Purdy by far. I mean, if the 49ers were to lose that game, I think a bulk of the blame would land on Kyle Shanahan's shoulders. He called a very clunky game. There was no rhythm. There's a lot of pressure put on his quarterback shoulders like I just talked about who is clearly struggling to grip the football and throw in those conditions I mean the passing attack was not working and Kyle Shanahan continued to lean on it while using Christian McCaffrey in a limited fashion I mean he forced Purdy to throw a career high 39 times in the rain the proof was there Purdy struggled gripping the wet ball earlier in the season in Cleveland Still with Debo out and Purdy struggling, he's stuck with the pass. 
I mean, he outcoached himself a bit, in my opinion, because the game plan looked a little too complicated for what it needed to be. You know, it was as simple as running the football. Looks, Look what happened when Shanahan gave the ball to Christian McCaffrey. And then, you know, when the 49ers, since they were so pass-heavy, when they started opting for the run, since the pass wasn't working, Green Bay loaded the box and was trying to shut down that run. And he was running into big, you know, heavy fronts. And so there wasn't the balance that we've seen throughout the season with passing the football and running the football from Kyle Shanahan as a play caller. Um, I thought the game was rough. You know, there was no rhythm. It was clunky, like I said, very choppy, especially offensively with Purdy missing throws and Kyle Shanahan sticking with the pass. But, you know, similar to Brock, Kyle deserves credit because dialing up that last drive was the best drive of the game. It was the first time outside of maybe the long Christian McCaffrey run to score a touchdown that the 49ers offense looked like the 49ers offense we've seen throughout the year that kind of slowly but surely chops other teams up. You know, they get into goal-to-goal situations that are very close, that are, you know, that's why Christian McCaffrey has been able to stack up so many, you know, short touchdown runs throughout the season because especially throughout the early in games, Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy together just chop away at teams, whether it's 10-yard gains, 15-yard gains, 20-yard gains, short, you know, three- and four-yard gains. They just move up the field with relative ease, and the first time we saw that all game, was the last drive of the game where they needed it most. So I think, you know, <clears throat> there were seven passes, and we talk about leaning on the pass a little bit too much, pass happy, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think Shanahan deserves still a, a you know, shred of credit for how he coached down the stretch there. But, I mean, it wasn't his best performance. Hopefully they got that out of the way in this one. And... Like I said, we've seen Kyle Shanahan at his best form this season. And so, you know, you'd expect it to revert to the mean next week against the Lions. Um, Also, you know, making this game rough as a passer and a play caller was the loss of Debo Samuel. You know, after the Packers drove down the field and tacked on a field goal in the opening possession of the game, it looked like Samuel was the guy to set the tone early. You know, two catches on the first drive, one for 15 yards, running hard. We've talked a lot about, uh, I've been a big advocate of Debo Samuel being one of the best, you know, um, big, big game players in the NFL. Like we talk a lot about that with basketball. We talk about that with pitchers, with baseball, and big games where certain guys kind of shine bigger and brighter. We talk about that a lot with quarterbacks in the NFL, but not necessarily with players outside the quarterback position. Well, I think Debo Samuel is as good as it gets when there is a high-pressure big game. When the lights are on, he shines brighter than anyone else. And it seemed like we are right back to that with the first drive of the game. Two catches, he provided the spark. When Brock missed guys and he went back to Samuel for even the short throws, Debo was doing work with the football in his hands and running through you know, a Swiss cheese defense that is out there for the Green Bay Packers. But he left the game early. Initially, this was as a head injury, was cleared to come back. Then he wasn't on the field, then ruled out with a shoulder injury, came back onto the sideline in his hoodie and straight clothes. Obviously, a very tough sign you know as good as Debo is as a playmaker 
when he left the game, the 49ers definitely lost a bit of moxie, a bit of swagger. It was a huge loss because of the ramifications is what it does to kind of the heartbeat of that team. Debo Samuel has, and this might not be a good comparison in the current moment because we obviously know how much Draymond has struggled of late, but it reminds you of those Golden State Warrior championship teams. Draymond Green brought an edge. And I think Debo Samuel, as good as there's so many guys up and down that team that have talent and grit and toughness. George Kittle, Trent Williams, Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, I think defensively is kind of has a bit of that swagger factor. Underrated. But Debo, it's just different with him out there. It's just a different team. And you saw that in this game specifically. I mean, Brandon Ayuk didn't really wake up with Debo off the field. Three catches. Um, he got some of the Jair Alexander treatment, and he was clearly bothered by it. Alexander is an amazing corner. Um, it was actually Juwan Jennings who really stepped up. I mean, came up with every big clutch catch. That catch over the middle of the field looked like Brock threw it at three different players at the same time. He went diving up for it. Actually, it was a perfectly timed throw from Brock when you watch it on replay. Um, they used him as a running back in the first play out of halftime. I mean, that was a very strange decision. Kyle Shanahan kind of talked about it after the game. I looked back, um, you know, to see if he ever ran the ball at Tennessee. He did have 15 carries in his final season with the Volunteers. So he did have a little bit of experience, but, um, no one could have seen that coming. I think if you could have bet a uh, let's all bet to see what type of play Shanahan's going to open up the second half with. And there's, I don't even think Jawan Jennings' run would be on the ticket. Um, but yeah, I mean, any times it felt like the 49ers needed a spark where Debo would usually come through it was actually Jawan Jennings. I mean, his toughness is always apparent, usually as a run blocker. He's, you know, burying guys down the field. One of the better... Um, uh, run blockers as a wide receiver in the game but obviously he came up with some big catches and I think you know even if Devo is healthy going into the conference championship next week Jawan Jennings is a you know x-factor player we should circle that could come up against the Lions just because this game is going to be filled with guys who have that toughness who have that grit and you're going to need a big play in a certain moment and it's clear that Jawan Jennings can come through for the 49ers in those situations um Obviously, this game was defined a lot by Brock and Shanahan and the loss of Debo. But we're still going to talk about some other uh, moments in the game and players that shined and didn't. Let's be honest. And I, I, I will say it was. Uh, it's not like they're glaringly bad in any way, but I did think the offensive line didn't do a great job in this one protecting Purdy against a, you know, not a necessarily strong. Green Bay front seven. Obviously, they bothered the Cowboys a lot, put a lot of pressure on Dak Prescott, so it was something to be noted. But, you know, Trent Williams still played a Trent Williams-style game. You know, very good. Was one of the highest-rated players on PFF. They love Trent Williams over there. But, you know, him and Aaron Banks committed penalties. They gave up a critical sack. I thought John Feliciano played really well again. But I thought, you know, the 49ers overall were bothered by that Packers pass rush. It seemed like Purdy opted to flush out of the pocket more than he normally does. And next week, you know, they will face an even tougher unit with the Lions, led by Aiden Hutchinson, who is an absolute dog coming around the edge for the Lions. And yeah, I mean, it's something that we're going to have to note to see how that offensive line plays because throughout the season, it's been, you know, outside of Colton, some Colton McKivitz moments and things like that. 
the 49ers offensive line has played very well and it's almost been a non-factor that we don't even talk about anymore because they play so well and this is the first game that I you know in my notes for the podcast for my stories kind of noted the offensive line as not playing up to par as we normally have seen them at I think more of a concern is, you know, flipping the field to the defensive line. You know, Nick Bosa, Chase Young, uh, gave up nearly five yards per carry against Aaron Jones. Nick Bosa, incredibly quiet. The Packers offense showed him a lot of attention, whether it was like chips, guys coming in motion from different angles to get in front of him and slow him down. Um, But let's just be honest, he sees that type of treatment with regularity every season. Every team is going to have him circled as a guy to slow down, whether it's sending, you know, fullbacks, tight ends, guys in motion, like I just mentioned, at him. Um, That's not necessarily a surprise. The 49ers pass rush could not get to Jordan Love. Love looked comfortable in the pocket for the most of the game. Um, And it was just a no-show from Bosa and Chase Young. And Chase Young were kind of getting used to that here in the Bay Area. It's just a very quiet performance. And on the interior, Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave, I thought Armstead played pretty well after missing some time. Um, but, you know, they were quiet also, and the Packers were able to establish the run for the Packers with Jones. Um, I thought Javon Kinlaw played well. He had three tackles, including a tackle for loss. He had, he had a quarterback pressure himself. Uh, he was one of PFF's highest-rated defensive players from this game. Uh, I think that's a great trend to have another rotational defensive tackle like Kinlaw available and playing well at the right time behind obviously the two guys up front but I mean flat out the 49ers are just going to need better from their guys on the edge specifically and the Lions offensive line who will they see next week led by Panay Sewell, Frank Ragnow, a lot of toughness very good players Taylor Decker been in the league for a long time I mean they have a very good offensive line and allowing it you know Jared Goff is not Jordan Love in terms of mobility, and Jordan Love opts to be a pocket passer. Jared Goff's not going to really move from the pocket a ton in this game, so they're going to need to put pressure on him to disrupt his ability of getting the ball out to those, you know, star playmakers they have in Detroit. So it's something, you know, we're going to need to wipe the state clean because we're going to talk about the defensive backs here in a second. Well, we've said it all season long. The as the secondary goes is led by the defensive line. If the defensive line is getting pressure, then the secondary looks great. If the defensive line isn't getting pressure, the secondary is, you know, the bruises in the secondary show. They shine a little bit brighter. So it's going to be something that the 49ers are going to need just better out of. They're going to need Nick Bosa to step up. He's going to be absolutely one of my key players heading into this game. He's going to need to look like the defensive player of the year and absolutely disrupt Jared Goff specifically and it would be nice to see something from Chase Young but I mean at this point in the year with what we've seen his resume as a 49er it's not necessarily been um ultra positive you know for a guy that's going to be looking to go get paid you know I think he should take a lot of pressure on in this one for himself as well to kind of get to Goff and uh you know make the impact play like I just mentioned the defensive backs I mean I thought Lenore played well and that's about it. Logan Ryan gave up a touchdown. Even Charverius Ward gave up a touchdown after stopping one on the first drive of the game. Uh, then there were some obviously costly penalties from Ambry Thomas. Softer calls, but still enough to get the flag. Um, Logan Ryan, uh, seen enough. I would like to see Jair Brown out there get more reps over him specifically. Um, well, obviously, Ambry Thomas has had some great moments this year. 
stepped up big in certain moments. I think against the Rams played well. Against the Seahawks earlier in the season, he played well. Um, but Thomas does need to have quite a shorter leash in this game, um, you know, especially if he's matched up against an Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, one thing I want to note when it comes to the defensive backs that I had here that I wanted to just say is that, you know, I also thought the defensive backs specifically um, safeties, corners got pushed around a bit by the Packers' young pass catchers. I mean, as good of those, as good as some of those, this kind of no-name receiver group for the Packers, led by you know Jaden Reed, Christian Watson, Dontavion Wicks, a lot of young guys there. You know, as good as they are as pass catchers, um, uh, that wide receiver room from top to bottom can block. And all of them, you know, Aaron Jones broke to the second level. The de the defensive backs weren't much help. You know, I thought they got pushed around a little bit. And the f it's, it's clear the 49ers are missing Hufunga. Um, I, you know, I'd bet Ben Johnson, Dan Camuel will be trying to expose that on Sunday in the NFC Championship when it gives when it turns into David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs trying to go after that group specifically because the defensive backs got blocked by those wide receivers and so I think that's going to be a weak point that the Lions could potentially try to target in this one um, special teams another wonky um, disappointing performance I'd say you know they gave a long kick return to Nixon Jake Moody gets a kick blocked and let's just be honest that kick looked like it was hooking anyways um, you know, dating back to the Rams' performance in the final game of the season, we talked a lot about having a hot kicker at the right moment. Um, and, you know, the opposite of that, having a kicker that has gotten comfortable missing some kicks in certain situations could bleed over into the playoffs. These things do have a way of, you know, becoming a habit. And although... You know, we'll never know if he actually hooked the kick. It looked like it was blocked. He went back out there, drilled another one when it counted, while, you know, um, Anders Carlson missed the big kick. That basically allowed the 49ers to win that game. Um, Jake Moody handled his job. But, I mean, it's just, unfortunately, every time going forward now, Kyle Shanahan sends Moody out there. I think a lot of people will be watching on edge. The comfort level is you know if you were to rate it one through ten it's probably at a one if not a zero at this moment with sending him out there uh but all it takes is one game all it takes is one game banging a couple kicks through and we'll see from there um i want to end our little bit of a review on this game and our position rundown and some of the thoughts with kind of the player of the game in my opinion if we were to give out you know game balls it would be very easy to point this game ball from the divisional round of the playoffs to Trey Greenlaw. You know, while the game was clunky and flat, Greenlaw caused the, you know, was at the center of the two biggest swings of the game, shifting momentum completely back towards the 49ers. He intercepted Jordan Love twice, including basically a game-winning pick to officially punch their ticket to the NFC Championship. Obviously, he did not go to the ground to kneel it out. Um kind of a wild moment sitting there you're looking like what is he doing in that situation but I mean he deserved to do whatever he wanted he was an absolute stud in this game obviously the two interceptions are going to be the things that stand out but I mean he earned a defensive 
game high in terms of PFF grades with an 89.9, playing 67 snaps. He had eight tackles, including one tackle for loss, two pass deflections, and two interceptions. He showed up in the run game as well as making plays in coverage. You know, he was questionable heading into Saturday with Achilles tendonitis, and I think against a team that wants to be ultra physical like the Lions. The 49ers will need Greenlaw to double down in the NFC Championship and, you know, have a repeat performance because that was a stellar, his best performance of the season. Um, Drake Greenlaw, absolutely deserving of a game ball. I mean, really, really, really dominant up and down the field. The 49ers linebackers, as, you know, there were problems with the front seven, there were problems with the defensive backs. Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw were the centerpiece, were the pieces of consistency, specifically Greenlaw, that were all over the field and if you know Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson want to target that group to attack good luck um so that's going to do it for us in terms of the Packers game but let's look ahead what are your first impressions of the Detroit Lions all right I'll give you mine you know we talked about it a bit last week when we were talking about the playoffs up and down um Dan Campbell, the city of Detroit, the Lions, they give off this aura of grittiness, toughness. And yes, the Lions are a bit of that, absolutely. But this team also is very dynamic, very fast. You know, they fit in a similar category as like the Dolphins or the Ravens or the Chiefs or, you know, whatever high-powered dynamic offense you want to compare them to. Jared Goff plays a great point guard role for them, dishing the ball out to, you know, his playmakers, whether it's Laporta, the rookie, Jameson Williams, Jameer Gibbs, Amon Ross St. Brown, Josh Reynolds. Um, I think, you know, on first impression, a key in this game will be, you know, knocking Jared Goff off his rhythm. I think it's very, very, you know, that's going to play a big factor in this. You know, make him Jared Goof instead of Jared Goff. I think a lot of this game will come down to the 49ers pass rush and that front front seven playing against a tough offensive line and Goff up front. You know, I think the pa- if the 49ers pass rush can wake up and get to Goff early and often while controlling the run game with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, the 49ers can punch their ticket to the Super Bowl. However, if the defensive line can't wake up and have a game like they did against the Packers, that could cause serious problems because I think getting into a shootout with these guys is not um, is not the way to go in this game. I think you know if they want to play physical, if they want to live up to that Detroit gritness or whatever they talk about over there, the toughness, the grit factor. I think that's where the 49ers can win this matchup. If it turns into you know um, basketball on turf, basketball on grass, and it's going to be big strike versus big strike I think it could get a little bit wonky because that Lions team just has a lot of playmakers up and down the field and they are fast and they do do a lot of things that can kind of counter the 49ers and you know if they want to get physical I think that's where you can kind of win this game specifically but I think it really comes down to Nick Bosa I think if Bosa has a big game we're talking about the 49ers trip to Las Vegas in the Super Bowl if he's quiet again conversation could be different we're going to talk a lot more about the lions in a preview podcast coming up later in the week but that's going to do it for us here on our initial rapid reaction 
to the 49ers beating the Green Bay Packers in the divisional round of the playoffs. Thank you to everybody who listened this week. Like I said, we'll be back to talk about the NFC Championship game against the Lions. We'll have a preview for that game in full. We'll give some predictions, bets we like. I still I will have that up soon, so please subscribe to Believe in 49ers to hear that. You can hit me on Twitter as always if you want to talk some ball at Tommy underscore III. If you got a take on a player in the draft, the Senior Bowl is coming up. One of the best weeks of the year for draft conversation. I see all the big names like Daniel Jeremiah, Mel Kuyper Jr. releasing their mock drafts. We're going to have to talk about that at some point. But also, if you got some good prop bets you're already liking in the NFC Championship, hit me up as always because I love to ride with my Believe in 49ers listeners. Thank you, everybody out there for listening, and thank you to our sponsor, Bet Online. We will be back shortly, folks. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.